welcome to another episode of The Halfways. Today, I have a new friend, Jennifer, with me, and she has some, done something pretty cool. I am super excited to have her explain what she's currently doing, and then we're going to go over her reading of my proxy walk. So, Jennifer, hi, how are you? Hi, Allison. I'm doing really well. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Awesome. Um, so, yeah, let me introduce this uh, funky project that I'm doing. And it is an art project, really. Um, it's called Slow Walk Fast, the Proxy Walk Series. That's the full title. Most people just call it a proxy walk. Um, but it really was my thesis project for a master's degree. <laughs> Um, I was getting my master's at ASU, and I got it done, um, was getting it uh, at a, uh, Arizona State University in arts management, really. The program is called Creative Enterprise and Cultural Leadership. And um, the thing is that the I was right at the point where I was going to have to choose my thesis project and you know what I was going to write about, what I was going to really dig into when the pandemic hit. And um, it hit us pretty hard. Uh, my wife's mom died in the first two months of the beginning. It, there in the beginning, she was in the worst place you could be. Oh. <laughs> she was in New York in a rest home. Oh, no. <laughs> but, yeah. And, um, and so at that point, with you know, we didn't know what was happening, like in terms of this COVID-19 and the way that it hit us personally, we thought maybe we were going through a kind of extinction level event, right? Uh, extinction. Um, and uh, I really was thinking, what's the point of any of it, right? Like, what's the point of doing a program right now at all? Working on a degree and we couldn't, I couldn't, all of my uh, previous ideas were just blown up and um you know, I kind of sat with it over the summer and then kind of came to these, some of these ideas that became what the project is were bouncing around in my head. And I thought, you know what, I'm going to present this as a proposal and either it flies or it doesn't, I don't care. And that was kind of the beauty of, <laughs> that was the gift of COVID for me was that this bizarre thing that I had kind of concocted, um, which is the proxy walk. Um, I, you know, pitched to a committee and they said, okay. And, um, I, so, you know, for me, this project really was an art project. And I also had to run it as an academic experiment, really, you know, as research. So, you know, literally the proxy walk is me walking a trail, but it doesn't have to be a hiking trail. It can be like an urban walk. It could be an interior walk. It's walking anywhere, but walking is the form. Um, it is walking with someone in mind. I'm their proxy. So I'm walking for someone and either they can give me a specific topic to, to think about or um, general, just general insight. But that's the point. The point is insight. The, the point is I'm hoping to glean some insight on this topic or them in general and be able to offer some kind of expanded perspective. That's as far as my claim will go. <laughs> expanded perspective. Um, 
And, you know, and I, I had a lot of artists that use walking as a medium in their work that were part of my inspiration. I had artists that used proxy, the concept of proxy in their work um, that were also inspiration. Um, and then I did a lot of research on intuition in general and how does that work in art? How does it work in um, research, like if you need to, because part of the point of like a thesis and research is being able to prove or disprove something. That's the debate on intuition. The debate is, is intuition a reliable process that can prove anything, <laughs> you know? So um, that's kind of the basis of my work. I, I hope I did a good enough job of kind of explaining what it is and why. Uh, but, you know, it's um, the intuition piece for me came out of one, I'd been accused of being intuitive most of my life. Um, and then also a creative person, right? Like I, I had a life as an art teacher, as an artist, as an arts administrator. And the creative process has those ahas that feels similar to the intuition, uh-huh. And um, like, what was that relationship? And then for me too, um, sobriety, recovery from alcoholism is part of my story. And like, how does that all fit together? So there, it was kind of a perfect storm of ingredients that came together for this project to kind of say, I wanna see the light of day. And for me to say, okay, you know? Because definitely that's part of the creative process. Part of the creative process is a lot of those bright ideas that come up and say, breathe life into me, let the world see me. And you either say, okay, or not. And there's the, a lot of, you know, there's a graveyard of ideas that never, you know, that you, that you say no to or that fail. Um, and, you know, that's part of the creative process too. So that was all kind of piece and parcel for this. Particular. Right from the beginning, did you feel sort of an expansiveness about doing this project? Was there a heightened sense of excitement or interest or curiosity that might have been different from all those other ideas? Yeah. Um, on a scale of one to 10 of for how, how intense of an aha, I would say it was, you know, it was up there with the big ones. Um the risk factor felt greater to me, which often goes hand in hand, I think, when those the big ahas that are have real import have are really meaningful. Right. Um, so that risk factor felt like I, there was more fear for me to go through. But really, that's the gift of COVID again. Like that whole like, I don't care, like helped me deal with the risk and fear that might have stopped me in another time. Probably um, I would have done something completely different. If that if COVID hadn't happened. Um, yeah. So and yeah, that answers your question. <laughs> I would say it was a seven on the aha on the on the is on the size of its now in terms of it um, continuing to live because it's ongoing. I got my degree a year ago. In fact, I just kind of had the year anniversary of it. Um, I knew that the project was would not end at when I def, at my defense, right? Um, I, I I could tell that this thing needed to go. I, I have the number a hundred in there. Like 
I'm committed to a hundred. I feel like I'm going to do a hundred past that. I don't know. Um, and you know, I'm, I'm giving room for it to evolve too, which it has, but not so much, not as much as I thought that maybe it would. There, I think there's a tipping point. I think you haven't quite reached that yet because what I perceive you're doing is you are giving intuitive readings. You just happen to be doing it through the lens of art and mobility, mm -hmm. like walking. But so what we're going to do is we haven't spoken since you gave me the reading. What you do is you give a piece of art that you construct based on photos that you take, the landscape, the flora and fauna. And then you gave um, you give the map. And you give the reading via a Zoom recording, which I thought was super cool. So again, we haven't spoken about it, but I think it was spot on. And we can talk about the oh, ways wow. in which it was spot on and how fun it was to listen to how being an intuitive, connecting with another intuitive, watching that intuitive work, how I believe our soul teams, spirit guides, higher selves connected to create this experience. So we were both guided you know, you specifically by your feet, <laughs> by where you went, um, right from the beginning. So, you know, right from the beginning, when you said number 22, we had actually met on a Zoom meeting via a friend. And, you know, I said, I'm going to be number 22. And then, you know, you can tell just a snippet of how that actually came about. That was so weird to me. Um, because, you know, I'm not a numerology person, someone else might, whoever I did 21 was like, Ooh, I wonder who 22 going to be like, and I was like, why? And they were like, Oh, it's a powerful number. You know, it's a big deal. And then, um, you know, when I had met you, I wasn't sure where you were going to land in my order, but I thought, Oh my God, you're going to be 22. And then I go and look at my list and it wasn't you, you were going to be 23. And then there was you know, you had made your request for via my website on a request form and I wasn't getting notifications for that. So when I look at the timeline of when you submitted your request, sure enough, you were 22. Yes. <laughs> and I thought that that tickled the shit out of me. Sorry. Um, Cause I mean, I, yeah, I was like, well, I'll be damned. She is 22. <laughs> Which is, I think this whole thing, even the the conversations and the way we met is intuitively guided. It's brought together. We are constantly supported in getting, you know, and 22 is a power number. And right right now in my life, and we'll look at the, the, the ways that I interpret this, but it's absolutely a point of power. It's a point of transition. Yeah. Um, right, let me grab my, my note on you because you, um, yeah, 22. Okay, that was my quick Google search represents the fulfillment of one's greatest aspirations, as well as a sense of strength and accomplishment, which, yeah, that's, I think that's pretty sexy. Um, <laughs> well, I definitely I that. feel that in this phase of my life. So it represents my accentuated sense of emotion and, and the way I'm expressing myself. Absolutely, for sure. So then you went to the day of the walk. You had what you interpreted as little hiccups along the way, right? This wasn't working and I had to go get gas. And then when you got there, the internet wasn't working for the trail. What you don't see is that I think you're interpreting my lifeline. That that hiccup, the, the, those constant hiccups were the first part of my life. Then you get to the trail and after your internet kicked out and you thought you were going to have to just make up a trail, it came back in which is synonymous of so many things, which is synonymous of basically my message was just let go. You are supported. 
you know, you don't really need the map, but okay, here it is if you want it type of, type of thing, <laughs> right? Like it's yeah. just so, you know, ironic is a word people typically use for synchronicities and connections and signs and symbols and all of that. So I saw that as perfectly orchestrating the first half of my life. You get to the center point where you just sort of throw your hands up. You're like, all right, I'm going to do this. I don't know what's going to happen, but I'm going to trust. And then you, you realize the sense of support where the map comes back up and you're like, oh, here's the trail. <laughs> and, and literally at the point where I was going to have to decide, make a decision. And it could have been a right or a wrong. One could have led me exactly where I needed to go. And the other could have been in the boonies, you know? So it was like right at that moment where bam, inner, you know, I was connected and I could see the, the map that I needed to follow. So, I mean, yes, that was pretty. Yeah. Anecdotally, you can't get much better for trying to describe what I'm trying to get my students and people to understand is you're supported. You're supported a hundred percent, even if you can't see it, even if it looks like there's hiccups, you know, those hiccups are part of the narrative that we're writing for ourselves. So it was perfect. Yeah. You know, and those, that, that moment, like of, of, um, I, I don't have a connection. I can't see the map. Like I'm so committed to walking for a person. This is where I would fail on myself. Like hiking is so good for me. It was key in my sobriety, early sobriety, but I don't necessarily go out and do it, even though I know it would be good for me. Right. But I will not cop out on someone who's requested a walk. So I'm going to go do that walk for you no matter what. Right. And Somehow, like the fact that I'm doing it for you relieves me of some of the pressure of like doing it right. Like, because the wrong could, is part of the reading, right? Whatever I, I might be judging as wrong. Like, I don't know. This is relevant to this person for some reason. And so I take the judgment off of things that would normally mess up my experience. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Well, we oftentimes can read for other people, but we can't read for ourselves because we're too close to our own yeah. shit. You know, like right. we just can't. <laughs> but I can see your shit, but I can't see my own. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I thought that was super cool. I'm like, oh my god, that's perfect. So then you get on the trail, and 22, as you described it, it is an expression of abundance, literally. And what'd you yeah. see? An accomplished, like like your goal accomplished, like yes. So describe the trail, because there are things in that trail that you never could have known that are relevant. Yeah, well, the trail was, um, I told you, a 22 for me. Of It is the, my favorite trail of every trail I've done. Um, it had all of my favorite features. Like, I like a skinny trail. I, I need a trail that's kind of easy to moderate, not difficult, because I'm a middle-aged woman with bad knees. You know, um, it had twists and turns. It had changes of colors. I mean, this is the desert, so it's kind of stark. But for the desert, this was lush. And um, stuff was in bloom. The, all the critters were like playing and making chatter and noise. And there were amazing perspectives and great views and, you know, things in bloom. And I mean, it was just freaking amazing. And every time I'd take a turn, I mean, I would almost laugh because it was just like, really? Really? How much like, like God showing off, right? Absolutely. <laughs> I mean, was, and I feel yeah. like that represents this phase of my life, right? There, it was, it was, it's a stark contrast to the first half of my life is this clear, obvious abundance and support and the imagination of the universe and the way it presents itself. 
one of the flowers. So what you don't know is that when I was little, we had a greenhouse and my mom raised cacti. Oh, <laughs> I think the cacti, I looked it up. It's a hedgehog cactus. Yes. It was my mom's favorite. You didn't know what the name of it was, but you picked it out. I, I figured it out after the fact. I started digging. I, I'm learning a lot of my env local environment from doing these walks. But yes, I didn't know at the time what it was, but I started looking it up. Hedgehog. Oh my God, that is so cool. Yeah. So and your, and your mom's favorite. I think so, because I remember being in the greenhouse wanting to touch the spikes. And that was one of the plants that I used to gravitate towards was because it was just so pretty. It had this delicate flower, yet it was so spiky and so barren almost in a way. But I, yeah, I remember having all of these cacti plants in this in this greenhouse. And then the what you call the sentinels, the swaros. swaros. Yes. Um, to me, that represents many different things. It can be interpreted in many different ways. It's the 22. It's the twos. It's the yeah. my work in the second half of my life here is about expanding conversations about us being halfway, halfway spiritual, halfway physical. So the 22 is the representation of these, the equality within the spiritual realm and the physical perspective. So that is, and even the tree, what's the name of the tree again? The, the um, Palo Verde. Yes. So that one, even representing life and death within the same bush itself represents to me the 22 and this aspect of what we consider to be death. Like most people don't think of being spiritual until they think they have to die to do it. And then there's this life aspect within the same construct. So everything, what you were picking up on, the global vibe of what this half of my life is going to be about, I think. Cool. Yeah. I'm, well, that's, this is great having a conversation with you about it. Cause that's something that's misses. It's kind of missing in my practice. Some people will want to follow up conversation, which I appreciate because I mean, this is new to me is, is using um, intuition, you know, deliberately and, I, I just, I, I don't, I don't, I do not feel, I still have imposter syndrome. I, I do not feel, um, and, you know, I wonder every time, am, it, could this possibly have fit at all? Could this possibly resonate as truth in any way for the person I'm giving this reading from? Some of the stuff seems so far out and how could it possibly connect? And, you know, so I just always wonder, and I don't necessarily get this piece of feedback from someone after the fact to know, what the res you know where it did fit and did resonate well that's the so. purpose of this whole book that i'm writing called the halfways is to help people that are having suffering from this concept of imposter syndrome like how do i know if it's real is it my imagination am i just making this stuff up like how do i know but part of it is through conversation like this that someone who is on the end of doubt moves through the process is to not only have these conversations themselves i encourage them to go have them um, but to listen to others who are also what they consider to be new to resonating with the term intuitive. Um, yeah. But on your walk, you, how would you say these inklings or inclinations hit you? It was probably just, oh, look, that's pretty, right? Like, oh, look, that looks interesting. Yeah, yeah it's um, uh, that part of the process is evolving as well. It's actually, see, this is where <laughs> it's a lot for me. Like I, the walking piece is more about just almost recording 
is trying to stay out of my ego, like not to let any, um, you know, not to try to in, uh, interpret in real time, not to interpret in real time. I'm asking, I'm posing that question. I'm inviting you kind of spiritually to participate with me while I'm, you know, doing the walk. Um, and, but I have the question at hand that's being required, you know, requested, like just kind of running a little bit and then just recording, like everything that I see, everything that I experience, um, my senses, what I smell, the wind, the, everything is a, is an, a character, right. In this story, but it really isn't until I get home and I download all the pictures and, and a writing, I have to write like, uh, you know, I'll do a morning pages type of writing where I talk about what I saw and some of the things I'm thinking they mean. And somehow the story starts to like all come together at that moment. So it really, it's the walk, it's the making of the picture. It's all of the little graphic assets that I make um, and the writing before I get to, you know, the actual reading. So like, I've, I had um, well, a friend that we have in common, Kai, uh, who said you could probably like when someone gave you the request, like do it without having to walk. I don't know about that because <laughs> it sure looks like I need a long runway to, to, to come up with a reading. Um, and this is a lot of steps. That's OK, though. That's that's what I love about having conversations with people that are new to this relationship is that having the long runway is perfect. If that's what we need, if that's what the person needs to get from a place of doubt to certainty, take it. Don't ju don't judge the fact that it's a, that you perceive it as a long runway. Just take it. I mean, I think that's the beauty of the walk is you're you're trying to just walk. You're not judging, you know, the inclination to take a picture of that plant or look over there at the river. It's just following the natural flow of how you feel guided which is intuitive to me. That's what it means to me. And stop struggling against, um, you know, trying to force it or trying to make it something or it has to be big and massive and monumental. Um, one of the things that I love that you did too is about the hugs because when people ask me in interviews, like, what would you tell your former self? I've started to say, I wouldn't tell her anything. She doesn't need any more advice. What she needs is a hug. And then on your walk, you started hugging rocks and hugging trees. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, your your request had to do with um, your experience of just, you know, being able to connect with all that is in your true self, right? And really just to, to have as rich an experience as possible. It wasn't related to a goal, anything, you know, right? So, um that was the question that was running while, you know, through my head while I was uh, doing the walk was just about like, you know, depth of experience, connection to all that is connection to true self, you know, like, and what is this walk telling me about Allison's relationship with those things? And um, that, yeah, that's where I kind of got impatience was a, a little bit of something that would interfere, um, moving a little faster than the flow. And then I had questions like, okay, well, what does flow have to do with, you know, uh, with connection and, you know, how does that work? And was like, that was an after the walk kind of exploration for me to come up with some of those pieces. Um, and then, yeah, this idea that in order to 
increase a, the depth of experience, the richness of the experience that like um, moving it into a sensual realm. The, and a hug is a very sensual experience. And like to, ha to be able to do that, that in your moments, that that was kind of a key. And like, what would it take to do that? And so, yes, I did it literally on your behalf. That was awesome. Thanks. I'm like, oh my God, there's no <laughs> angels in the gravel. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I think in my youth, I was incredibly impatient. Oh my God, I was so impatient and frustrated and angry and all of those things. Absolutely. A hundred percent. That's why I think you sort of took a global bird's eye perspective of what I'd been and what I'd become, which when you think about it, encapsulates the concept of all that is. It encapsulates all that I am in this perception of myself, even your struggles to get started. And then the ease on the second half encapsulate that concept of all that is because you can't negate the negative and then still say it's part of all that is because that's the negative. It is part of all that is. It's an expression of it. So you can't be without it. So you tuned in immediately to this sort of narrative that's been playing for me through this time and space lens. Um, so yeah, that was funny, the hug. And then I just on a podcast, like I said, where I'd said that, and then I sent it to you. I'm like, okay, so you are, you are definitely an intuitive. You are definitely picking up in this, this realm of intuition and translating for sure. Well, that is my intent. <laughs> yes, it, it is to, um, I mean, I'm hoping to improve that skill, but in the end it is really that, you know, I have a deep belief that an expanded perspective is valuable on anything. And um, so that is, you know, kind of the aim of the project in the end is to use art and walking the creative process and intuition to be valuable to another person through an expanded perspective. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to kind of switch gears just a little bit to, to pick up on something that you had said when we met before on the Zoom call, because I think it speaks to, you know, people who consider themselves to be newbies who are still struggling with doubt. You had said that you used to use this concept of intuition, intuitive connection to the party trick, you know, and sort of explain your relationship with making it okay through a party trick. Or even if you want to talk about, I just had an interview with somebody who talked about addiction and their perspective on intuition through that lens, it was really fascinating. I'm really excited for it to launch. But so just kind of talk to me about, you know, this being in this place where you're like, oh, this is just a party trick. Yeah, well, I have a I have a group of friends. We meet nine women who meet in Michigan every summer. And we've been doing it for 20 some years. And um, it kind of happened accidentally at first where uh, someone wasn't present someone, one of our nine was not there. And, and someone said, I wonder where they're at or something. And I just answered like wh where this person was without thinking. And, and everyone got real quiet and paid attention. And then they asked about someone else. And I kind of just kept answering these questions and I, with no intention at all, like there wasn't any, I wasn't pre-planned. And, but before I knew it, everyone was really kind of close and huddled and like hanging on my every word. And then it became a thing every year, you know, we would do this, like Jennifer's going to sit and kind of say what the year's going to be like for everyone. That was really my only place and time. And it was, you know, all, yeah, all in good fun, but people took stock in it 
And that's what I also mean by I've been accused of being intuitive. I don't know what exactly that has meant being intuitive or empathic, you know, um, as it relates to other people. I always knew, felt like I was way more sensitive, but that could be the alcoholic thing too. <laughs> we, are, we are way too sensitive. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, I didn't know how that worked for other people. And, and so anyways, when I got sober though, I quit it. I just quit doing it. Like I didn't feel, I wasn't sure whether it was a healthy thing. And part of it, what for me was, well, one, I didn't know what was be in my best interest. Like I didn't want to tamper with anybody else's. Like I just felt like I needed to keep my business real close one day at a time. Keep it simple. Just take, be a worker among workers. Really all the simple slogans of AA. Like I, that was my life for a while. And, um, and then, you know, then my question became about, cause for me, activating my intuition, like when I really in, in, in intentionally involve, get involved in my intuition, it's pleasurable. I like the feeling. Anything, when I like how something feels, there's a little bit of a red flag for me. And so there was, a, I also, I stood back from it for a while just for that very reason. Just because I don't trust, I don't feel like I could trust anything that actually feels good other than some basic peace and serenity. Um, and then... You know, I just, I, ha I, I had to do some research. That was the benefit of my doing this project with my thesis. The research that I did about intuition helped me reconcile those cautions that I wasn't sure about. You know, like the, the idea that an expanded perspective has no risk, really, right? Like I can be wildly wrong and it still can and give someone an expanded perspective on something. They're just looking at it in a different way and it will, you know, right. So, um, and, and just, yeah, that there's no harm in that. I think that was really important to me, this idea of do no harm, like, you know, um, can we go back for just a second? Cause you said something that I didn't anticipate talking about, but I think it's important for people that do identify with this term as sensitive. Because as a, as a child, I was extremely sensitive and empathic. And what I ended up turning to in my teens was alcohol to depress that sense of sensitivity. Did you find that as well? Did you make the connection maybe even in hindsight where you used it to depress this, this heightened sense of um, empathy, maybe? Um, I, I see my intuition as separate from my alcoholism a little bit here, here i'll say this um first of all i'm also gay and that plays a role because um i knew early on i first of all i knew very early that i was gay i also knew even though i was kind of raised in a fundamentalist home uh i knew somehow deep in my heart logically intellectually i knew this was not a problem like it was okay for me to get, be gay even though the world and my family was telling me that it wasn't but the thing that it did for me is it made me not believe the script, you know, the just that our culture is designed a certain way. There is a certain socialization that's, you know, if, if it if you're if it fits for you and works for you, you never have to question it. 
I was at a, the beginning put in a position to say, if this isn't really quite right, doesn't fit for me, then what does? And just having that open-mindedness, that, that questioning um, puts, I think, enhanced my creativity. I think it, it made me start to like have to be innovative, right? Innovation means you can't rely on the same stuff that you've always, that, that's already exists. You got to come up with something new. And, um, and then, yeah, I'm an alcoholic. That, so that whole um, part of being an alcoholic or an addict is that f- the best way for me to describe it is that my normal, natural state of being is restless, irritable, and discontent. I'm always going to like, that. that's just my like idle speed, right? When I'm at idle, I'm restless, irritable, and discontent. And I'm high maintenance in that way. Like if I'm not going to drink to solve that problem, then what I'm going to have to do something else. So like, there's a lot of stuff I have to do, like, like hiking and being good to my body and eating right. And, you know, being spiritual, making connections with a you know, my, my higher power or whatever, all those things. There's a lot (laughs) to keep me stable without medication and without doing bad behaviors. And, um, so that kind of sensitivity and empathicness, I don't know, there, there's definitely a relationship, but I kind of see them separate. Um, yeah. Uh, I know that a lot of people that do un define themselves or have the experience of being hyper aware of the emotions of others oftentimes can have that either they go one way or the other. And for me, it was, I went down that route of, we got to shut this down. Partially it was because my dad sort of gave me that message, not verbally, but it was like, we're not talking about anything emotional. So I was like, okay, how do we shut it down? And I had to shut it down by desensitizing, you know, through drugs and alcohol it was the only way I could do it. And then I come out the other end. I'm like, oh, this isn't a bad thing. But, you know, I had to come out of adolescence and realize this isn't a bad thing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think the empathic or sensitive part for me meant that I like, if someone wasn't being completely honest, like denial, right? Oh my God, that just from the inside freaks me out. I just want to scream the white elephant in the room. Can you people not see it? Right? Yes. So that made it, um, yeah, emotionally, I was, uh, I was, uh, it was not easy. (laughs) It was not easy to be like the only one seeing the white elephant. Oh my God, really? You people all think A, B, and C is real? Come on. Yep. I had that same experience where you're like, wow, no one else sees this? Right. Okie Yeah. So, I mean, I had a real small group of, of people that could be my, um, you know, my, 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 my close friends, because I really could not be in relationship with people who didn't have like a a certain degree of inner knowing of of themselves, Mm -hmm. you know, it couldn't be lying. It was okay that they were on exploration, but if they were doing denial, like that, just so I couldn't sit with it. I couldn't be present to it. Yeah. And one of the ideas around intuition or being guided to your authentic self um, in raising kids, my oldest is gay, my middle one's trans, and then I've got a cisgender kid. And so the concept of being intuitively guided to you know, foster your authentic self is super important in this household. Super, super, yes. super important. So we have a lot of conversations about 
follow your inner voice. It does not matter what I think. I gave birth to you, but that's really, you know, that's it. I can give you food. I can give you shelter. I can give you love. The rest is up to you. You've got to follow that inner voice because that inner voice is leading to a place that's that's gorgeous and beautiful. And it's other people might not agree with that. Fuck them. <laughs> they don't get a vote. Well, you know, the thing, um, I love how you put that. And I heard that in the podcast that you had um, sent me the link for too, about your um, kind of philosophy on parenting, which is just beautiful. Um, is is this the concept of halfways? Like I'd always, I, I, my first thought about it was that, you know, we're, well, I think you did mean it kind of this way, that we're half, we're almost out on, from birth, have lost half our choice, right? We're going to be brainwashed into our culture. We're going to be told, this is how things work. This is how things work. These are going to be the roles, your role. This is how things, you know, what you're going to do. These, these are the things available to you. This is your worth. This is how things like money and gender and, you know, like the values of them and how they function in our lives. Like those things are kind of given to you. And then maybe you have half a free will, right? Maybe you have half. Like, I'm not even sure that we really have even that. I think it's a full-time freaking job just to try to like, get rid of this, the script and give yourself. So even your, even your own kids, when you talk about like finding your true inner voice, I, I mean, I worked with kids. I was, was a public school teacher for 22 years. Oh wow! Um, and when I just think about them and having to try to distinguish what you're being told or shown as is it, is it real? How does it fit for me? What is my truth in relationship to that? How much of this is impacting what I think I want? I mean, I know I failed myself in that matter. I allowed, you know, like what the world was telling me was important to become important to me before I could really find out, you know what, that doesn't fit. It's not right. I, uh, it's not. <laughs> I hadn't thought about that, but I love that interpretation. Yeah, because it's so important. I mean, I gave up making decisions for my kids um, in fourth before fourth grade when they became sort of stable. I said, You're, you know, I'll be here. I'll support you. I will love you unconditionally, but you got to start making decisions. It starts right now. So that and, and when they got to high school, they looked at their friend groups and they're like, do you know that their parents still tell them what to do? And I was like, yeah, I know. <laughs> but that's not what I'm going to do with you because I trust you. I trust you even if you fall flat on your face and you wind up in the gutter. I trust that it's the right choice for you. It has to be. It's wow. just the choice you made. Right. Right. Wow. That's intense. <laughs> That's, I, I couldn't do it. Oh, I'd be the worst controlling helicopter mom probably. Um, well, I was in my kitchen when they were little. They must have been, I remember this moment. And they were, they must have been four, six, and eight approximately. And they were ill when they were little. And we have a bunch, we had a bunch of surgeries and they were constantly suffering. And I just put my hands up and I said, I can't parent from fear. I'm done. I'm done. I even lost my oldest one at a concert of 15,000 people. There were 10 minutes where she was gone. I mean, talk about fear. <laughs> Woo! I was. And then even when Isabella, she had a surgery, um, she had some surgery done 
based on her kidneys and things when she was two and a half and she almost bled to death. She almost died. If my dad wasn't here, he was a urologist. She probably would have died bleeding to death. Um, scary stuff, scary, scary stuff. But I realized I'm like, I can't, it's going to eat me alive if I have to parent always worrying about you. Worrying about you is not synonymous with how much I love you. They're not the same. And I don't want to do that. So you have an inner guidance system, child. Follow it. My voice might be the one in your ear, but it's it's not the most important one. It's that inner voice. And so I think to everybody listening, it does not matter what your parents think, what your spouse thinks, what your partner thinks, what your friends think. It does not matter. The inner voice, that inner guidance is leading you. And even if you end up down a dirt road with no more gas in your tank in the middle of the night in 35, it's like, it's the right choice. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I've got, I've got plenty of friends who are like Al-Anon. So they're, they're it, right. And um, those folks, bless their hearts, uh, probably have one of the hardest jobs in terms of, um, well, letting go of control like wanting to control everything. And that, um, like, I, there is a part of me that in, in, in that understands that our soul might have require some things that we would judge as bad, like things, you know, hard times, you know, really painful times, um, doing things that are not good. Uh, but that's part of their journey. And who am I to like, you know, try to prevent them from having their path, you know? So there is a, a an awareness of staying out of someone's business. Sure, absolutely. <laughs> or, you know, not trying to steer it that, that I've got um, that I think is a really hard lesson to learn. Well, it's important. I think that's ultimately the the, the message of this. And, and you and you experienced it along your trail walk for me that I'm so thankful that you did, which is the surrender, right? The surrender and then the knowingness that you're supported no matter what. And then bang, having it show up because of that surrender. So that's kind of, I think that's where I want to leave it in the conversation because that's such a beautiful message. That's lovely. That is a good finale. So tell people if you're you know, if you still want proxy walks to be, um, you know, people to sign up for proxy walks, where can they reach you and how can they do it? Um, I do have a website. It's slowwalkfast.com. And uh, there is a request form on there for requesting. I'll just uh, put out there right now. It does take me about seven to 10 days is my average to turn one around because it's the walk. It's making all the visual assets. It's writing. It's a little bit involved and I have a little bit of a waiting list. So as long as you're not attached to a too quick of a turnaround, get on my list. <laughs> as of today, where are you in terms of how many people have requested walks? Where are you on your way to a hundred? Um, one, two, three, four, five, six. I have six right now. Six. So I'll be good into the heat of, I'm in Arizona, the Sonoran Desert, Phoenix. So we're heading into 100 degrees. But um, I mean, that just means I'll be doing walks at dawn. Yes. <laughs> um, and maybe having to travel a little further. So I'll still do them, but it'll probably be slowing down in the summer. But Well, thank yeah. you so much for being here. And thank you. I am a 
grateful for the walk that you did and the insight that you brought and it absolutely added value and expanded my perspective so thank you so much yay cool well pleasure walking for you <laughs>